I can only imagine. Everybody get notes out there? Anybody need notes? All right. Boy, great job tonight on that. Revelation chapter 8. Revelation chapter 8. We've talked about Israel's role in prophecy. We've talked about the rapture. We've talked about the sealed judgments. And now tonight we're going to do an overview in these chapters of the trumpet judgments. And so let's look at Revelation chapter 8. I tell you, the authority in the book of Revelation should bring us to our knees before God. Uh, it, it is a thing of great awe to read through and to see what's going to take place during these events. Revelation chapter 8. And uh, once again, verse number 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And if you remember reading through chapters 4 and 5 and, and the hundreds of millions of voices singing, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. And the angel choruses by the millions crying out before God the hallelujah and the amen. Or they may say amen in heaven. I guess we'll see. Uh, but, but the noise, uh, just incredible. And now, this event that's about to take place is so massive that there is complete silence in heaven for half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And I, I love to read verse 3 because it shows the value of the prayers of the saints in every age. The Bible says the, uh, that a fervent prayer, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And uh, so we see that God keeps our prayers. The ones that we have asked according to His will, that we haven't asked amiss, will be held for this time in heaven. Verse 4. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Now, we know that there had already been a, a massive earthquake uh, on the sixth seal judgment, a worldwide earthquake. We talked about that last week. Yeah, this shows that there will be another earthquake, uh, perhaps not as great, but an aftershock of the previous earthquake. Verse 6, And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. 
And the third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. And the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Father, would you bless tonight in our lesson, Help us to have a clear vision of what the book of Revelation is about. Once again, not that we would understand the intricacies of every event and be able to brag that we have the information correct, but that we would have a passion to reach people before they have to go through these things. In the tribulation period, give us hearts for the souls of men and women around us, and to guide us through this lesson tonight, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's start in your notes. The trumpet judgments that will be delivered by God are so terrible that even the angels stand breathless in wonder. We talked about that in verse number one. And we discussed a little bit about the prayers of the saints. And as we get into these trumpet judgments, there are some amazing things that begin to take place on the earth. We notice that there are seven angels which stood before God. And uh, this uh, shows to me a, a picture in heaven of seven angels, not who came into God's presence. These are the angels who stand all the time in God's presence. And uh, that's what this verse indicates to me. These are the seven angels which stand before God. Some of them are given by name in the scriptures. We know that Gabriel's one of them. And uh, they stand before God, and uh, they, the number seven, perfection, and here these angels are. And to each of these seven attending angels of God Almighty are handed a trumpet. And it's going to be a, a sequence that's going to take place. In the notes, the seven angels who stand before God will each initiate a judgment in prearranged sequence. This wrath of the Lamb will take place in the second quarter of the tribulation. So we said last week that the sealed judgments, by every indication, would last 21 months. The trumpet judgments, uh, according to the timeline of Revelation and Daniel and some of the other prophetic books, uh, we believe that the trumpet judgments also would last to be 21 months. Now 21 plus 21 is 42 three and a half years. So the trumpet judgments takes you through to the midpoint of the tribulation, where some theologians say that the great tribulation begins. And uh, we're going to show you tonight that this is already pretty huge. This is not anything to uh, wink and laugh about. It's pretty serious stuff. So let's hit this first trumpet judgment back in verse number 7. 
Once again, we say in your notes, the hail and fire will be literal judgments. Like the plagues of Egypt that fall on one-third of the earth's surface, destroying all the vegetation in those areas. Now certainly, the God who made all of plant life can do what He will with it. God already, we know, uh, made all life, and then in Noah's flood, much life was destroyed. And so we know that these things can take place in a form of judgment. But in this judgment, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt. Many of the plagues of Egypt were these literal things that took place, the water turning to blood, the frogs, the locusts, the hail, the sickness of the cattle. And uh, these will be literal on the earth. Now there are some in some camps of uh, prophecy who say that all prophecy in the Scripture has already taken place. And that these judgments, the trumpet judgments, are symbolic or figurative. That they do not represent real things that will happen on the earth. That they all have a spiritual connotation. And it's just hard for me to read through this without taking it literally. I just sense that this is a literal judgment upon the earth that God will send. Uh, as we read it, it says in verse 7, they were cast upon the earth. The third part of trees was burnt up and green grass was burnt up. I don't see symbolism there. What I see is that a third of the plants will be gone and a third of the grass will be gone. And when it says grass, it refers to every type of grass. Um, what, do, what does most of the earth eat? Grain, right? Wheat. Barley, rice, um, all of those are grasses. As we drove uh, to the southern tip of India, we saw all these different types of grains on the way. And uh, the way that they harvest it, we didn't get to see it on this trail. It's the most amazing thing. They each have their own farms, so there's no heavy machinery. And they'll have workers that just go out every day and work in these fields. And when they harvest the barley and the wheat, what they'll do is they'll take it and they'll bind it up and they'll put it onto the road and they'll allow the trucks to run over it for the whole day. And then they go back on, out on the road and they gather all of the kernels, all of the grains, and harvest it and let the chaff blow away and then they take the bundles of the straw that's extra, and they'll go sell it or go use it for other things. And uh, the big trucks are going right by them as they do it. The roads are, are narrow to speak of in the first place, but that's how they do it. And all across the world during this judgment, all grains and all plants will be affected. Now, how many of you are vegetable eaters? Vegetable eaters? Okay, how many of you are non-vegetable eaters? Should have asked it that way. Yes, there's always a few in every crowd. Um, how many like fruit? How many like fruit? Okay. I've got a sister who doesn't like fruit um, that lives in Africa where they have fruit. So it's the weirdest thing. But all people who are relying on these food sources, now these food sources are going to be gone. And after the seal judgments where they had had these terrible wars and earthquake and scavenging, and billions of people who've died. And so you have all of the, the earth basically rotting at this point. 
And that's trumpet judgment number one. We get into verse number eight. Trumpet judgment number two. We say in the notes, it's likely that the prophecy details a giant meteorite striking the Mediterranean Sea, turning water to blood, and leveling one-third of both sea life and ships. Now, it could be easily that verses 8 and 9 are talking about every body of salt water on the planet. Um, there's a wording in here when it says a third part of the sea became blood. Uh, that the or that article is in the Greek. And any time we see the sea, it's usually referring to the Mediterranean Sea, which was where the known world at that time was located. They're on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea. So that's what some theologians have said. Um, whether it's the Mediterranean Sea, which is a massive body of water, or whether it's all saltwater bodies, this trumpet judgment is going to do uh, huge things to the industry that many people make money on. Fishing, um, gathering things from the sea, and the shipping industry. Most of the shipping traffic that heads east goes through the Mediterranean Sea and comes out down the, through the Suez Canal and, and heads out that way to the Indian Ocean. And uh, so this is going to be a significant judgment as well. Trumpet judgment number three. And this is one that if you uh, just did a Google search on Wormwood, which is the name of the star, most of the posts that you're going to see or most of the information you're going to see is going to tell you that this is not really a star, but that this is a messenger. Okay, so here's what I want to tell you about it. Whether it's a star or a messenger, it's a pretty powerful messenger. Because look what it does. From heaven it falls, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And so it's going to be significant. We say in the notes this way, This spectacular judgment affects the fresh water supply on earth. It is caused by a falling star called Wormwood. Now we're going to talk about a figurative star in one of the last judgments here this evening. Um, indications are that this is once again a literal star. It's going to fall and going to hit the earth. And uh, there are lots of discussions about this star and, and what it would mean for a star to hit the earth and how it would affect life. Um, and you'll see some people say, well, if the star falling doesn't cause death, but the bitterness of the water calls death, maybe it's talking about a poison that will hit the earth. Yeah, I don't know how all that's going to work, but here's, here's the thought process I've had on this star. The closest star to Earth is a star, a group of three stars called Alpha Centauri, and you can only see it from the southern hemisphere. Those stars are 4.24 light years away from the Earth. Now, you may remember from school what a light year is. Okay, light traveling at the speed of 186,282 miles per second. 
travels one whole year, one of our years, and it comes out to be right out around 6 trillion miles, right? So light is traveling at that speed. Now, we know that officially the closest star to us is the sun, 93 million miles away. The light can get here in about nine minutes. These stars, the closest stars to us other than the sun, are over four light years away. Here's what that means. For even one of the closest stars to hit the earth at this point in the tribulation period, the star has to begin falling before the rapture even takes place. Okay? Now there are other stars that would have to have had, they would have had to start falling already to hit the earth at this point during the tribulation period. Um, I was looking up just to see how far stars are away from us in light years. Uh, the star Polaris, the North Star, scientists believe that it is 323 light years away. 323 light years away. So let's say that this part of the tribulation doesn't happen for another 50 years. That means that star had to begin falling back in the 1700s. And sometimes we think that our God's not big enough to take care of our problems. I think we should be very careful how we discuss things with God. Just the galaxy we live in. Now these are secular scientists. People who believe it was all caused by a big bang. I mean, you have to be idiotic to study astronomy and think it was caused by an explosion. But... They have discovered that the Milky Way, just the galaxy we live in, you want to know how wide it is? It is 100,000 light years across. Some calculations say it's 120,000 light years across. That means light traveling at the speed of 186,282 miles per second could travel across our galaxy in 100,000 years. Our galaxy has between 100 and 400 billion stars. So a star that's coming from one of the other galaxies would have had to start falling headed toward Earth on this trajectory thousands and thousands of years before there was ever civilization on the planet. And once again, just mind-numbing that God has planted all that in the stars. Did you think about the, the star that stood over the place where Jesus was born and all the things that had to line up in the heavens for that to take place? Um, I guarantee you, there are mathematicians who think they've outsmarted God. Please, would you wait till you meet Him? He is the greatest mathematician by planetary measurements than anybody who's ever lived. For Him to speak. And you remember what the Bible says in Genesis 1? It says He made the stars also. Like they were an afterthought. He made the sun and the moon. Yeah, he made the stars also. That's the God we're dealing with who will be running the show at the wrath of the Lamb. You don't want to be there for it. 
You don't want anybody you know to be there for him. And you'll hear people say, well, you know what? I'll take my chances in the tribulation, and if things get bad, I'll cry out to God. Not the best plan. We're going to talk about the death rate that will take place on planet Earth during this period of time in just a minute. But just looking at this about this star, it just blows me away. Trumpet 4. Here's the God who made the sun, moon, and stars. And we say in your notes, this trumpet deals with the luminous bodies as they affect the earth. The same God who created light is able to diminish it to one-third, reversing day and night. So the way that we have things now, here in southern Idaho this time of year, we have light for about 16 to 17 hours a day, and we have darkness the other 7 to 8 hours a day. During this period of the tribulation, that will be reversed. The night will be 16 hours a day, and the darkness, or the, the night will be 16 hours a day, the light will be 8 hours a day. And so everything is going to be changed. Um, even night and day will be changed. That's how drastic things will become. It, it will twist around the very definition of night and day. Because of this trumpet for judgment. And, uh, and then we have this angel flying through the midst of heaven. I don't know exactly how it works, what it looks like. But this angel is crying out these three woes to the inhabitants of the earth. And uh, let's begin to read those after we say this from your notes. The final three trumpet judgments are introduced by the woes. This informs all who will hear that as horrible as the first four trumpets have been, they will be surpassed in misery. Okay, chapter 9, verse 1. Here is an instance where a star is referring to an angel or an entity. And you'll notice because of the wording. And the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, now look at this, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Could you see how that's referring to a person or to an angel? Where it says, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. So this is a personality, someone who could receive a key. Verse number two, and he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Now just think about just this past week, the fires that we've had, these forest fires, they're massive forest fires, you know, in comparison to a campfire or a comparison to a huge house fire. These forest fires are covering 100 to 150 square miles. Massive. And on some days when uh, the air causes an inversion, the smoke kind of settles down on us. And how many of you have trouble breathing with that smoke? Yeah, think about this. The smoke from the bottomless pit will expand worldwide to the point that the sun cannot be seen on the earth because of the smoke from the bottomless pit. Not a good 
place, not a good situation. The air will be darkened. Verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Anybody in here ever been stung by a scorpion? A couple people. Not, not a real fun experience. Look at this, though. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. That's already been messed with. Neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. We don't know exactly what the seal is, but tribulation saints apparently will have them. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. Now think about the worst pain you've ever been in. Okay, scorpion bite, bee sting. Have they ever been bit by a snake? You have? Was it poisonous? No. Did it hurt? Really? Goodness. Maybe we need to talk to you after the service about some things. Um, five months of torment. Think of the worst pain you've ever been in. Where, you, where they asked you on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is your pain? They ever asked you that before? And you said like a 6 right now, it's bad. 7, 8. Think of the pain that was the very worst you've had in your whole life, lasting for five months, and you can't die. That's bad. That's horrible. So they can't be killed. All right, so their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find them. And shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. So people will attempt to commit suicide, and they'll be unable to. Verse number 7. And this is one of the weirdest verses you'll ever read in the Bible. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowds like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Now, I've seen people try to draw this. I don't know that there's a way to draw it. I don't know that there's a way to even begin to imagine these figures. These will be the most hideous creatures you'll ever see. Right, can you imagine? Have you ever seen the ugly dogs? They're like the, the actual, what's it called? The ugly dog? I don't know the name of them. They win Ugly Dog of the Year Award every year. And when you walk by that dog, it's called a, a tufted or a... Somebody give me the name of a Chinese crested. When you walk by one, you're like... <coughs> they're so ugly. Right? We saw a couple of them walking down the streets of Manhattan and New York. They're like, ew, please, I just ate breakfast. They're ugly dogs. These creatures will be the most ugly... Can you imagine this? A horse with a crown, with a face like a man, and hair like a woman. Ugh. And they'll be able to sting you, and you have pain for five months. Their power was to hurt men five months. Verse 9. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings 
was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men to five months. Now look at verse number 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. I'll give you a hint. He was not one of the good angels. Okay, so this is one of the fallen angels that sided with Lucifer in the heavenly war. And uh, Lucifer, and the whole thing about that, Isaiah chapter 14, something that you should study. But this is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And in your notes, we tell you what that translates to in English. The star in Revelation 9-1 refers to an angel. He will release a, a group of fallen angels in the form of locusts, led by an angel king named Destroyer. So that's what his name is. That's what he will do, is destroy. This is just the first woe. Okay, so the fifth trumpet is the first woe. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Let's look at the sixth trumpet, the second woe. Verse 13. And the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, I'll give you another tip on this. If an angel has been bound for all of this time and never released, this is not a good angel. Right? He has been bound in the river Euphrates for all of this time. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Now, there are some theologians who say that that means they were prescribed a given point to begin slaying men. I just seem to read this literally. It seems to me that this is saying that for a year and a month and a day and an hour that these four angels will do their work. Now you could take it however you want. I'm going to choose to take it literally and say that for 13 months, one day and one hour, that these four angels will do their dirty work on the earth. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000. That's a lot. It's 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed. Okay, so now that they've been tortured for five months by Apollyon, they can be killed by this group. A third part of men kill by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. These destroying angels and all of the creatures that follow them will be killing people by actual, actually singeing them with fire, 
by smoke inhalation, by brimstone, all of the things that are mentioned here. Verse 19, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. And here's what you'll say. Here's what you'll hear. You'll hear people say, if people just had another chance to follow Jesus, they would do it. You know what the Bible says right here? That people who reject Jesus Christ will continue to reject Jesus Christ no matter how they're tortured. There's not a soul, I believe, who will ever spend eternity in the lake of fire that has not rejected Jesus Christ. I believe that people who spend eternity in the lake of fire will die having rejected eternally the Son of God. And if you brought them back up and said, hey, we're going to give you another shot at this. Bow before Jesus and claim Him as your God. And they will refuse to do it. You say, Pastor, but every knee will bow. Yes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He's God. But some will do it still rejecting to follow Him as Savior. How do you think these fallen angels happened? They began to follow an angel named Lucifer who said that he was going to become like God and take God's power and they rejected the Creator who made them. That's what's going to happen with all of these men and women. And it's happening right now on planet Earth. And so they refuse to repent. We say in your notes, four other bound angels will be released to lead a destroying army of 200 million that will slay a third of the remaining people on earth, all unrepentant souls. Now, I have been to prophecy conferences and I've heard theologians say that the first three and a half months of the tribulation are not really the tribulation. They're just the lead up to the tribulation. Could you look at this next stat in your notes? By the midpoint of the tribulation, one half of all human beings who are on earth after the rapture will have been killed. If this isn't part of the tribulation, you can call it whatever you want, whatever title you like, it's bad. Half of the people who are still here after the rapture will die in three and a half years. It's going to be significant. And a third of the people on the earth, just by this one judgment, will be destroyed. Get with me, if you would, to chapter 11. There's a, a time that's listed in chapter 10 that's, that's parenthetical, and also at the beginning of chapter 11. To get to the seventh trumpet, we have to go to Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Actually, scoot back up to verse 13, if you want. Revelation eleven thirteen. Still part of the second woe. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. 
And in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Now this is speaking of a great earthquake, uh, likely in Babylon. Verse number 15. And the seventh angel sounded. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. The four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Do you know that saints for thousands of years have been crying out to God, God, would you just take over? Would you please reign upon the earth? There are people, saints, down in Mexico tonight, down in Acapulco where Joanna's family lives, that are crying out to God saying, God, please, would you just reign over the drug cartels? Would you stop the senseless violence in our city? There are people in Detroit where their city's just gone bankrupt and you don't want to go out at night literally in the city of Detroit. And they're crying out, God, would you please reign upon the earth? You know, those prayers are in that censer. Those prayers are before God day and night. And now in heaven, those of us who have been raptured will be crying along with the elders and the angels to say, God, we thank you for your power. You're so amazing. You're so wonderful. You're so mighty. And we thank you that you've decided to reign upon the earth. Have you ever heard somebody say something stupid? You don't have to answer that question. Something stupid like, if your God's so big, why doesn't he stop blue, blue, blue? Right? If your God's so big, why do he let blue, blue, blue happen? i tell you this, please, dear soul who just said that stupid thing, don't stick around for the tribulation. Because that's when God will actually come and act upon the earth. Right now, you know what's causing those things today? Sin. But during the tribulation, it will be a God-caused calamity. It will not just be a result of mankind's sin. It will be a God-caused calamity, and God will reign. Verse 18, and the nations were angry. The nations were angry. Instead of saying, God, we give up, we cry, uncle, they're going to get more angry. And thy wrath is come. And the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldst give reward out of thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was open in heaven. Now this is awesome. <laughs> Nobody ever, except God himself and select angels, have ever even seen the temple of God. You wonder what Solomon's temple was like? I'll tell you this, it was modeled after the temple of God. The tabernacle instruments that were, had to be handcrafted and made of specific elements and the altar of incense that had to burn select seasonings, select perfume, 
You know what it's modeled after? The temple of God in heaven. Hebrews tells us that everything on the earth that we used to worship is symbolic of the temple of God in heaven. And at this moment in time, the temple of God was open in heaven. And there was seen in His temple the ark of His testament. The original ark of the covenant in heaven. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. And so, yes, the seventh trumpet judgment has some parts of judgment on the earth, but it's a time really of the opening of the second half of the tribulation and an opening of the next set of judgments. So we say in your notes as we close, the blowing of the final trumpet does not initiate any judgment on earth, but introduces the next series of judgments, which are called the vials, V-I-A-L-S, or bowls. And we're going to be seeing those judgments next week. As you read through this, say, Pastor, I'm not sure what's symbolic and what's not and what's uh, what, what about this revelation thing is real? Can I just tell you this? You could read what we read tonight however you want, but the conclusion is, don't be around. Don't be around at this point in time. Make sure that you have received eternal life through Jesus Christ and repented of your sins. Because you don't want to be around during this time. One half of the people who are around after the rapture, will have died within three and a half years. Now, I want you to go back three and a half years. Okay, we're in 2013. We're in August. Three and a half years ago was February 2010. Think about that. February 2010. Most of you, like, I was just, like yesterday. I lived in the same house. I went to the same school. I worked at the same job. It's not very long ago. Three and a half years, 42 months, is a short period of time, even on the earth. And God is going to mete out judgment upon the earth. And uh, if you stick around for, for next, the next session next week, the vile, bold judgments just decimate the earth. And then we get to the Battle of Armageddon. And we get to the millennial reign. And things begin to change as we look at them. And we see Jesus Christ reigning with a rod of iron on the earth. But all those things are coming up here in the book of Revelation in this series, Understanding the Times. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed in a closing word tonight. If you could, you know what? I had two boys who were supposed to give a testimony tonight. We're going to have to do that next week. Hey, somebody try to make sure our last guy, Stefan, is here, and we'll do it all at the same time. Um, they were going to give an India testimony. That's my fault. If you can help, if, if you are able of body, man or woman, if you can help put some things back in the other building from the carpet installation, just follow Brother Seyfried, um right after the service, and we'll get some of that done. Yeah, and I sure do appreciate all your help with that. Father, thank you once again for your word tonight. And I pray that you would help us not just to stand in awe of it, but to allow it to be a call to action in our own lives. That we would be watchful. Would be, we'd be waiting for the trumpet sound in our own lives. 
and that we would be vigilant to go and to tell others around us the truth, not just of this prophecy, but of eternal life and eternal death. Guide us now safely throughout this week. Thank you for each one who's here. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.